Morning, good evening, good night. It's Trev and Gray back here um, on the trekway. Thanks for coming along again, Gray. He's a busy man. Sure. He's got stuff on, but he made time for us um, as always. Uh, we're already episode two of Star yeah. Trek: Strange New Worlds, um, and today we're doing season two, episode two. Interesting title: Ad Astra Per Aspera. Now, say that 10 times quickly when you've had a few jars, I dare you. I had to say it a few times with Sagre so I didn't make an arse of it, you know? Yeah, I was wondering where it came from, too. Because, I mean, I've heard Ad Astra before, so I think it's has some basis in Latin or whatever. I, Don't spoil uh, it. Don't spoil it yet. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yet. <laughs> um, safe to say that from, I won't spoil your, your score on it, but you did enjoy this episode. Yep, very much. I gave it a slight, I gave it slightly less of a mark than Graham. We'll get to why it wasn't a bad episode. Basically, mm -hmm. this, this is the episode that's covering Una Chin Riley number one's uh, reprieve uh, case he's going through with Starfleet at the moment for uh, them finding out that she had augmentations uh, due to who she is and who her, her, her species is. Um, should they have done this in the first episode, Gray? Or did you think maybe it wasn't a good idea to do that? It's common sense to do it in the first episode, usually. However, maybe it was good to just jump straight into the first episode and have something slightly lighter and nicer yeah. before jumping into that. I think. I think they probably wanted to start the first episode with action to drag in as many people right away as they could. So, But they laid the groundwork because they had Pike lead the ship, obviously, to go help Una and then... They got true. into the story last week. True, true. Um, I like the way they've done it, to be fair, because the first episode was mm -hmm. funny with Spock shitting himself being in charge of an Enterprise the first time, so that mm -hmm. was good. Uh, so this episode here, we start off with um, a young Una Chin Riley. Just call her number one. I prefer that. Start off a young number one. She seems to have some sort of injury on her. Uh, this the era... Oh, it's on her leg, the area that's kind of glowing. This kind of augmentation thing that they've got when something's up or something's wrong or something's not quite right. There's a kind of like glow to them. This area that's kind of injured on her um, is glowing. We find out later on why that was. Our parents are freaking out. They're trying to get her help, but they can't. They're like, maybe we shouldn't get her help because people will, will be up against us no, and yeah. they'll say things. And you, you, as we go into the episode, we find out kind of what's Going on with their their planet and what's you know right and wrong and that kind of stuff. So I don't want to spoil that, but um, I thought we'd start with a younger uh, number one. Um, not surprised. And then we jump obviously to the present with a current uh, Una, um, and she's been given a deal by Starfleet Grey. Now yep. this Flea is bargain. a 
a plea bargain, exactly. This uh, We've seen this all throughout time, haven't we? And nothing will change in the future, even if Star Trek happens for real. Um, mm. He's been given honourable dismissal, uh, which is a deal that everyone's ta- asking her to take and something that she has been told is a great deal because you can actually spend a couple of years um, behind bars for this one or in a penal coddler or whatnot so, and not have honourable dismissal. So, um, But in saying that, Una's um, counsel at the time, she told by counsel to take the deal, but then Una says, well, you would say that you're working for the establishment, so to speak. So it's kind of yeah. when you can't afford a lawyer here, Gray, they offer one to you, but they're never going to be as good right. as one that you've picked because who pays the man? You know, so... Exactly. Um, you get the up-and-coming uh, lawyers that have only been a lawyer for a week. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't, do work, doesn't work real well. You do mention here that she has no one to represent her, represent her at this time, so it, you know, it does look bad. So no wonder she said no to it, like, not a chance. But, I mean, obviously... Uh, the end of the first episode, Pike's Gallivant, and it's pretty far away. I think it's certainly far away, or if not, another side of um, the the galaxy that she, he has to go and find help um, to represent mm-hmm. Una, and he does. Um, we see Pike, and Alec was interested in this. I want your thoughts on this, Greg, because we see a bit more. We see a part we had in the trailer for this episode. And by the way, the trailer reviews that we do, they're dropping them much later. Gray's mentioned this. I'm noticing this. So it's more difficult to cover. Yeah, I could do a separate video just covering the trailer, but sometimes, often it's not noteworthy enough to add to a separate video. So that's the reason for that. But yeah, we've seen the trailer, uh, Pike with the breathing apparatus on, struggling to breathe on, like, looks like a old-ass city or planet. I honestly thought he was... Somewhere closer to home here, Grey, like Scotland, because it looked miserable outside. Um, yeah, looked a little foggy and whatever. <laughs> certainly wasn't Wait, Florida. No. Apparently he's on Illyria, I guess. And all the Illyrians, of course, are used to the air or their atmosphere. They can breathe it without issues or anything. Uh, but it's deadly to humans. So he's like carrying this mask with a little oxygen tank on the side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he's running out, as we see later. He is running out, but he's like, you know, like he's running out big time guy. at one point, actually. Um, yeah, Illyria. They're on Illyria. It's in the Volturan Nebula, this part of the the, the galaxy, pretty far away. That's why Pike needed uh, three days to get there. Um, and the person he wants to see is a lady called Kensonira Kutul, right now. As we get to throughout this, she is shit hot at her job. We can see why Pike went after her. But she's not really interested in seeing him because he's one of the by boys, the poster boys of Starfleet, and she doesn't really like Starfleet at all. This, but for kind of obvious reasons and reasons we get into that things are not very fair and don't look upon augments very favorably in the Federation, blah, blah, blah. And she does not want to see him. At all. And there's the lady in reception. The receptionist just be like, no, she's booked out. She's booked out. Pike's, I can wait here, no problem. Yeah, that's fine. Looking at his uh, O2 meter and be like, oh, shit, 2%. He's <laughs> down to 1% and then starts running out and he's starting to lose consciousness a bit. Which, okay, right, I'm not nitpicking. It doesn't happen that quickly. 
But hey, yeah, for I dramatic think, effect, yeah. it worked. She, uh, I'd laugh if he was just putting it on because she's all right, okay, Jesus, I'm going get her, man. And then she puts like a force field type thing up and puts obviously oxygen into the room so he can breathe. Now, every planet we go to that's M class grey, right? That might be mm. classed as M class, we don't know. Humans can breathe without too much of a problem, right? Or humanoids, right? This planet, right. they cannot. I, right. for once, am glad to see the roles reversed a little bit, where it's our guys not being able to fit into this planet very well. Now, we don't know the composition of this environment, the, 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 the air, but we know that oxygen is not there because he's struggling to breathe. Whatever uh, air is there, it's something that they've been able to over generations adapt to and it's their augmentation that helps with that so right. it's interesting to see that the shoe on the other foot is what I'm trying to say um, right. and he is struggling but they can they can breathe oxygen as well because she's then council's now got uh, here in her office with Pike hearing what he's got to say and they're both breathing absolutely just fine so um what was I saying there? Yeah, sorry. So at, at the start, she's having nothing to do with him. Great. She is playing the hard ass. She is not wanting to have anything to do with what he's saying. He has to work his pike charm, safe to say, uh, to get her to actually <laughs> do something. Um, but we both mentioned here that uh, the actress that plays this lady, the counsellor, is shit hot right at the start. She's got balls of steel. You can tell that she's one of the best in her field, if not the best. Uh, and we just, I guess we just love this character going going through the episode, Gray, don't we? Yeah. Uh, they mentioned somewhere in the show, I don't remember where, that she was supposed to be one of the best civil rights attorneys in, like, the galaxy or whatever. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she knows her stuff. She knows and her she's stuff. She's obviously, being a Lurian, she's an expert on, you know, what has to deal with the Lurians and, and similar things. And she's clearly got a. I don't know if I want to use the words hatred because it seems too um, hardcore, but she certainly has a dislike for the, the Federation and particularly Starfleet because of the augmentation rules and policies they've got. Um, and I don't blame her. I really don't blame her. They're getting on just fine in their planet there. Um, why should she go out her way to help, especially when it's a three day trip? But. The counselor does, uh, in the end, agree to help Una. Um, and you've mentioned here, Gray, that Una pled not guilty uh, and Pike's main squeeze, or, or, he's bit in the side. Um, Captain Mattel is uh, the prosecutor along with that. Falcon, who we'll cover later, Admiral Javis. I'm surprised that Mattel uh, was involved in this because... I mean, maybe the relationship that she has on off with Pike is not really an official unknown thing, but anything to do, any link when you've got prosecution and defence, they want to cut any of that stuff out. So the fact that she's involved didn't seem very fair. We don't I, know why she's picked. Yeah, I don't know why whether people know that they're a thing or something like that. Or, to be honest with you, you're going to take a little poetic license because when you do have somebody you know, it adds more tension. So... You know, and she, I guess she's apparently 
one of the, the the best prosecutors or whatever Starfleet has. And so is she though? Do we know that or is that an assumption? I think that's more of an assumption, but it seems yeah. to be a, a likely one for what what seems to be going on. Yeah. Uh so, you know, I mean they have they had, so for that if that's that's the fact, then it just ended up that way and that's just how it works. The the Vulcan the the uh, the Vulcan Admiral uh, Javis he is an arsehole, basically. That's me using a polite word for him. <laughs> the reason being, a couple of times, one time that I, I haven't noted down because I think I didn't think it was noteworthy enough, but it's a kind of funny thing that he's sitting down speaking to uh, Spock on. Spock, yeah. I think it's on Enterprise, but it might it might it might very well just be HQ. Um, and it's a funny scene because they're two of them are sitting just very stern, kind of talking to each yeah, other. Straight. And they're like, the, the, some of the other crew are commenting, going, what's going on here? It's, you know, what's, who's well, the... Well, Ortega, Ortega was actively lip-reading. Yeah. She was so impersonating She's lip-reading on what she? they're saying. <laughs> it, it was really interesting, though, because she's lip-reading, and she's going like, yeah, that, that this is all just, you know, chummy-chummy stuff. You know, yeah. and she's thinking that they're not really, you know, there's no... No real tension going on. And then Mbenga all of a sudden corrects her and says, you don't know a whole lot about Vulcans then. <laughs> he says, right now, I can tell you right now, I, I said Spock hates Those guys him. hate each other. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> so then it was almost like a like a, a an unshaken hand bet that, you know, who was going to be right. And then so Spock walks over to them and then just says, I really I wanted to apologize for the, the display that you had to go through. <laughs> and to us, the display was... It was like, wasn't much of anything. Yeah, it's, but to them and to Vulcans, it was a it was a bad one. Apparently, it was amusing oh. that more Vulcan amusement really on our on our behalf. Um, yeah, and that's obviously the first part of that guy, uh, the admiral, being a pain in the ass because he's not. You'll see this from Vulcans a lot. Obviously, the lack of emotion. Could sometimes maybe look and make you feel like a bit of an arsehole by default, but you'll see guys like him in Star Trek history, past and and and, and present, future that are just they've got it against the establishment. Like think Starfleet, uh, sorry, uh, Star Star Trek Enterprise. At the start, they didn't want us to go out into the galaxy. That kind of thing. The the mm -hmm. the the Vulcans at the very very start were just very anti this and anti that. And you get guys like him. Now you get guys like Spock. So um, that was a funny scene. But you'll see this admiral come up later on being an arsehole as well. So, um, so Pike isn't a happy guy because it turns out that instead of this plea deal that they had before, which was two years in the slammer, honourable dismissal, because she's reject rejected it, um, you know, basically the brass are looking at this in more detail now, the top brass, and they want to make an example of her. That's what it feels like, yep. Gray. They're now yeah, going definitely. to say a possible 20 years in a penal colony, which Tom Paris was in, if you remember. That's basically the slammer, but they make you work outside. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. It's still 20 years. Up, 20 years it? in a penal colony is pretty bad. Yeah, you've got to work instead of just sitting in your, your yep. jails here. They have PlayStations and TVs and everything, man, and comfy beds. <laughs> and you're just like, what? Oh, yeah, maybe it does, maybe it does sound bad, actually. Um, and that's because she's been made an example of. She rejected the deal, so they're going to make an example of her now. Um, it's interesting that 
Land Soong uh, is in this, and she she thinks she can be of assistance, Gray, um, okay. through the counselor. Um, she thinks some like because it was a good point. I thought this who found who ratted her out that she was an Allurian? Allurian. Who Alluring. ratted her out? You know, I was thinking this as well. Lan's thinking this also, who basically ratted yeah. her out. And she thinks she can get some information on this as to who done it uh, and then pass it on, on, on to the council. Do, were you wondering, like, at the very start, like, who ratted her out, who it could have been? Or did you not? Oh, yeah. I was always, out? something, ha- somebody said something somewhere. Oh, yeah. And I, I, was, th- I was thinking the same thing, like you. So who, who did it? Who turned her over? What, what came? How did this come about? As we yeah. see it a little later in, the, in our review, it starts. Things start thinking a little bit, and yeah, you sure. kind of realize some things. But yeah, she. But you know, being the security officer she is, she wants to try to use whatever, whatever influence she has to try to get the information she thinks she needs to help her. And she is a hard ass. Uh, you don't mess mm-hmm. over, you know. Um, it turns out actually what she actually tries to do next is she goes to speak to Ahura on the bridge at Ahura's station. And she asks Ahura for the personal logs for for number one. And obviously Ahura straight away, red flag there, uh, red alert went off in her head. He's like, yeah. I-, I can't do this. You know, per regulation, blah, 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 blah. It, has to, can, it can only be done by the very, very top level of Starfleet. And... Um, in fact, it might have even been higher. That might have been right at the top of Federation, um, mm-hmm. and it takes months to get. And she kind of alludes that you know, I kind of need it for number one's defense, and this is an order type thing. And she then goes, "I'm sorry, nah, I can't nah. help you." Out. That's that's <laughs> her commanding officer, Gray. That's the thing, right? Because that's a, that's a step sure. above her, but. You've got to know when it's right and wrong and when to say it. And Ahura, already at this young stage of her career, is already super confident in her ability. And she goes, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I have to kind of reject that order. That's right. wrong. Um, and she hasn't taken away, taken off the bridge or anything. She just land, goes her own separate way. And Ahura's a bit shocked by that. So you mentioned here that it was nice to see Ahura standing up to her and doing the right thing, even though it might have been detrimental at the time. Well, I think the I think the writing was pretty good in this episode, and this is yeah. one of the things I liked because a lot of times in the they'll actually do this, and she actually will give her the logs to make it, you know. But this time, she, you know, they wrote it properly that she can't just be doing things like that. Yeah. Um, and so that was good. So we have to. So it's almost like, oh, okay, she can't get the logs now. What is she going to do? She has to go off and figure out something else. And I think she's getting uh, frustrated, uh, Leon, because she is running out of options or ideas of how to get this done. Yep. So it's starting to get, get her nutty. And as Pike mentions later on, I don't think it's aspired to say as much. Uh, I think it's Pike mentions this, that you, know, it's, it, you want to be able to rely on people to tell you when you're right or wrong um, and have the balls mm-hmm. to do it because... No one's perfect, and you need a strong second in command to keep you right. And you see many captains in Star Trek do the same. You keep, I think Kirk said it as well, you keep quoting regulations to me. He says that to Savak in Star Trek Six Undiscovered Country. You keep 
sport and regulations to me keep me right because I won't get everything right in my own head. So yeah, nice to see. Um, yep. I was going to call it the kangaroo court for a moment because <laughs> it seemed like that, that she was screwed, number one. You know, I was going to write... Was stacked, stacked against her, huh? Yeah, I was always going to write this. But it's, that's unfair to say so, Greg, because they were doing things officially and by the book. Nice cut, by the way. I like that. Good, you get good taste there, Greg. Um, not available in a merch store yet, but you never know any it's possible. <laughs> um, Greg will be my, my merch manager. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, the court case begins... Um, and as I probably thought from the start of the episode, uh, Councillor is uh, Councillor Cato is given a really good count of herself. She's coming away with a cracking argument, doing her thing, um, basically playing it very smart. You have to think left field when you try and beat something this big. If you think of history and society, things have changed. Any rules, policies, major procedures that have changed. I've usually been mm-hmm. because of things that have been approached in a different way or protests and whatnot. So he says basically it's similar to things that have happened in the past, such as gender reforms, racism, slavery, um, and how we got around rules and regulations like this. Rules and regulations are not guideposts, but kind of ideals to strive towards. They're not perfect. They're not... It can be broken slightly a little bit, and she'll we'll get into that later on. What actually happens there, and it's a cracking point. I mean, it really, really, really is a cracking point. She, even though it's not the direct issue that's going on, she makes it relevant to things that have happened before. And then she mentions, "Great, I, I like this one, General Order One, which is what it's, the Prime Directive is also known as. We call it the Prime Directive, but its more official name is General Order One." And ge- and right. she asks. Uh, she asks, she wants to hear what General Order 1 is, and she's speaking to Admiral April at the time, first captain of the Enterprise. Um, right. And they're like, objection, objection, what's this got to do with anything? And, you know, abstained, let's hear what she's got to say, or what the Admiral's got to say. And he explains that, you know, uh, well, I actually know what the council actually says, isn't it correct, Admiral, that this order means that no starship can ever uh, interfere with the society of a planet? I would have just said a crew or something, not necessarily a starship, but anyway, a nitpick. Um, mm-hmm. And he agrees it's correct. Um, but then, Gray, this is the thing that she, they go on. She goes on to start almost interrogating him, even though he's not directly done anything wrong. Say, is it not true, Admiral, on this occasion, on this star date, on this planet, this situation, you and your crew broke the prime directive for this reason and that reason? And he's almost a bit like... Uh, and that's where right. they turn around and go, she's wait cited a about, I, I think she's cited three different times, yeah, according yeah. to record. Yeah. So she, she did her homework and said, well, three times, it looks like you, you know, stretched that old prime directive there. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a good point. I'm glad she brought it up because we, you and I and many other Star Trek fans have always thought about that because they have the prime directive and yet, you know, there's episodes where they don't always adhere to it. And like they said in the course of this, little interrogation if you want to call it that 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 it's a captain's i don't know prerogative or whatever to yeah. decide if it's something that's really bad what could be done maybe but she made but she brought it up for a good reason to say well we're we're talking about something that a law that you wrote but y'all just make it work for yourself <laughs> in, in, you know yeah, yeah. that's like, the point oh, of putting that <laughs> 
it, it's true, great. It really is. Yeah. Like, yeah. What are rules and laws? They are, I said before, like guidelines and whatnot. They're a bit stronger than that. Of course they are. You strive towards them, but they can't be cast in stone because it's too rigid then. You've got to be able to adapt and change. And that's why the Prime Directive, rightly or wrongly, sometimes has been broken or slightly bent. And that's why it came into place in the first place. We get it. You also mentioned here as well, it stretches the friendship between April and Pike as April refuses to have a, a friendly drink with Pike uh, and walks away from him after. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what did you make of that? Because I, why would you think it was a stretched relationship? Because Pike hadn't done anything wrong. Do you think it's because he hadn't told April for for those four months that everyone knew about? I, yeah, I think, I, I think. Yeah, I think that was part of it, and I also just think that he maybe he wasn't blaming Pike, but he he wasn't happy to be semi interrogated, you know, like that on the stand. Yeah. And so yeah. it was all just pissing him off. I mean, I, I'm sure their friendship will cool off and it'll be it'll be fine. But you could tell he was pissed because he's not gonna. He's not going to turn out a drink with an old friend, but this time he just doesn't take it. He walks right out. Like, whoa. I think it's Santa Hall, or is it actually, was that a TNG thing? They still no, piss, I mean, were they still piss heads back then? Santa Hall's around, but it's kind of like, uh, I would just say. Is that what the, vegan, like boot- is that what the vegans drink? It's, Sorry it's to vegan like drinkers the, out there. It, it's like the bootlegger days. You have your Santa Hall, and then you have the real stuff always hiding somewhere. If you're high enough up, though, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look, look, Scotty always found his stuff. Uh, you know, uh, uh, was it McCoy always found his stuff? Um, you know, I mean, you know, these yeah. guys come up with it somewhere. You think the crooks are the, the low guys? They're not. Often, more often than not, they're the guys higher up because they can get away with it or they think they can. Uh, no, it's a, it is a very good point. It's They're having a drink. I like that scene right after because this is when they're taking a recess. They're mm-hmm. both in Pike's quarters and April walks in and Literally, Pikes get two drinks. Let's assume it's whiskey, some, some nice Scotch whiskey, the best of gear, of course. And of course, a, a, a wee nip each, and he's like, "Nah, nah, 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 nah I'm not having any of this stuff. You know, the interrogation not right." And after a, a moment or two, kind of walks and leaves out, not storms out, but leaves out. He's not happy. So Pikes just like, "There we go. I'll have, a, it, double, yeah. I'll have a double nip then. I <laughs> can't waste it." Right. After that little altercation, he's going like, "Yeah, I got, I'm going to need a double." Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's basically Star Trek. Uh, what's a Star Trek Judge Judy? You could say that one there because <laughs> it was literally a court case for yeah. a big chunk of this, you know. Um, I could just see him returning to the courtroom and you hear dun 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 on today's episode. Um, <laughs> Right after, they're calling up the character witnesses as they're doing these things. Uh, your boy Spock and Benga, who's grown in me more. I see him, actually. I'm loving this guy. I think it's part to do the fact that now, unfortunately, his kind of daughter's moved on. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert, watch, she didn't necessarily die. Watch, watch the last season. Uh, it's kind of freed him up and released him a little bit emotionally. So he's, yeah. he's more on the ball, and he's a badass as well. Um those two and Lan are on the witness stand saying very nice things uh, about uh, number one. Of course they are. Um, basically saying, uh, I think Lan's saying, she saved my life, literally. I've got no family. She is my family. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, the the crew, the the starship, it, none of it would be the same without her in place because she's done such a good job as the charge. 
Um, I, li I like how Spock yeah. made a, a a dramatic comment for some Vulcan humor, maybe. But they go like they ask us as well has uh, has uh, Una ever kept a secret from you? Kept the secret from you? And he goes, "Yes, she has." And then all of a sudden, the room gets like real quiet. And he just goes. He says. He says she. She. He, she admitted her love for Gilbert and Sullivan musicals, and and everybody just goes like, oh, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, that's cute. It was good. That was. See, see, I like. I like his humor. It's such a dry sense of humor. I love it. It's like mine. Yeah. Um, and I think. Tell me if I'm wrong, Gray. I had. I had never. We didn't. Never had direct confirmation that she was the distant relation to Kang. Uh, our main can from the uh, original series, uh, but she is, or sorry, not can. Yeah, yeah, because it's Eugenic Wars. It started. He yeah. was in Deep Freeze yeah. for a while, then he came back in TOS. Right. She is related to him, however many generations that is. But we never knew that officially until now. I don't know why it took into the second season for us to know. But um, I think they said something about it in the first season, but they didn't really briefly, you know, belabor it. But in this particular instance, they it was really clear. Said, yeah. I can wait. Um, where they brought up the whole thing. I think they only asked that and mentioned that because, well, she's not directly augmented herself. She comes from that lineage. So who's to say that right. genes and stuff are not passed on? And they probably are because she can hold their own. Um, but she isn't directly an augment. So I think that's why it's okay. Right. And she is relevant very much in this argument for what's happened in the past and, and why this is a problem. Um, mm -hmm. And as I mentioned here, of course, they all good, give a good account of number one. They're all friends and colleagues. Um, but afterwards, Lan is a bit panicky because it turns out she thinks she may have accidentally ratted out number one. And this comes from Grey, uh, a little rant she had in season one on a log she'd done. Basically, her friend hadn't told her for all these months uh, and years that she an augment. Uh, and right. she was a bit pissed off about it. And this was recorded. Yes, it was a private log, but then, you know, people can get hold of these things if they really want to. And she's concerned that it was hard that done it. I thought this was the believable path at this stage, Gray, that generally she's maybe accidentally ratted out her friend and she may be responsible yeah. for putting her friend in jail. I think, again, I think this is another example of really good writing because what they do is they throw this in there to set you off the path. Um, so you're not thinking about, you know, anything but that you're sitting there going like, oh yeah, that could be it. Yep. Yep. She did something. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And they're totally spinning you so that you don't, you're not ready for what really happens, you know, later, later in the episode. Yes. It's a nice curveball. I like to, I don't like to see things coming. It's all, it's always mm -hmm. obvious when it's too apparent and too obvious. And it's, it's not this time around, which is good. So the title of this episode Ad Astra Per Aspera, and that probably is Latin, you can tell me, it sounds like, um, comes apart now when Una is put on the stand to give her piece or two pence worth. And mm. she's asked why she wanted to join Starfleet. And she says, Ad Astra Per Aspera, which means to the stars through hardship. Now, this, I don't know if this is ever mentioned in Enterprise, Grey can't collaborate because he bloody gave up on it didn't he um it was starfleet's motto before the federation was officially a thing right the starfleet right. was a thing before the federation was um and she remembers this saying from way back and that inspired her she she also said uh when she joined starfleet 25 years ago 
um, or before she joined Starfleet 25 years ago, because she'd been in, her age is probably, she probably ages slower because of her uh, modifications, um, that I start, uh, I may be getting ahead of myself, but I think it's relevant at this stage here. She remembers a, a, a starship and her crew coming to visit her planet a long time ago when she was a little girl, and she mm. was she was amazed by the 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 different species from all these different planets working together, no bother. And I guess Ray, that that little point or that aspect of the episode could give it a notch up one or two in the ratings alone. This is fundamentally why we love Star Trek, what it's about, what politicians in the world should actually be watching more bloody Star Trek so that we can actually figure, hey, this is how it should be. Let's all work together because it's not that difficult. I think that's the reason why I I like it a lot, Strange New Worlds. It's a throwback to the original and Next Generation because there were many episodes in both those series where they were able to wrap, you know, things that are going on in the world today and put it into the theme of of a... of an episode that really means something yeah and they continue to do that obviously with this one um yeah. so it really really was well done and, you know excellent reasons for doing everything so yeah it's good good writing they've carried this on from Picard season three and i, I want to keep seeing this happening una's also talking at the same time about when she was a little girl like things like i talked at the start of the episode about how her leg was injured and why i'm thinking if she you know why why wasn't it healing it was a simple leg break it would normally get fixed in no time but they couldn't take her to a normal doctor because by it got things got so bad in her planet literally half the planet had augments and the other half had people who'd get their augmentations removed because one of the conditions for the planet joining the federation was okay we won't judge you in what you are but this is our fundamentals uh, our sorry our ideals you have to get no more augmentations required going forward. The people that have still got right. them can keep them, but you don't give them to anyone else, and anyone that wants to be in Starfleet will have to have them removed. Is it harsh? Maybe, but it's a deal mm. that started dividing a planet, basically, Gray. And you see this throughout society and history today. Sure. Still to this day, things getting separated because of the colour of the skin, your, you, you know, who you like in a relationship, right. that kind of stuff. So People look like a apartheid war. They all have excuses and laws to pass that I mean, make no sense. I, 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 I won't get in a separate rant about that, Greg, because that's a whole different bloody series altogether, podcast. But for me, that struck a nerve because, well, it doesn't sure. affect me directly. I don't give a shit what anyone is. I don't care if they are a hermaphrodite with polka dots who identifies as a strawberry. I don't care. Anyone's entitled to their choice in life as long as it doesn't hurt or harm anyone else. You do you, you know? Um, And it's very relevant here in in this episode of what Una's saying. And she felt awful. Her little friend at school got bullied. She stepped in and this is how she gets the she gets the broken leg and it's kind of horrendous actually a little bit and He's getting asked, so why you still want to join like Starfleet? Or what? Why? But it's right after comes, going through all that. It comes back to we see this crew working together. We know we know the ideals of the Federation. How good it can be. This is what we want to be part of. Um, mm-hmm. And you could say, great, why? Why wouldn't you stop the augmentations? You know, um, if that's you want to be part of the Federation. 
But the thing is, this is the government of a planet that chooses this. It's not often the people, as we often find out in today's society. Um, and you mentioned here the reason they chose to keep doing this, her family, number one, is because it went against their custom and deeply rooted religious beliefs. And who are we to say what someone can believe in or not? You know? Right. So... And as we and as we found out, she, uh, their their family willingly joined what they knew was supposedly unaugmented people, but they went and joined anyway, and they said many people did. So they had to hide the fact that of what they were and what and what they've done, you know, what augmentations they did, because yeah. they were living amongst people that didn't have these things. Yeah. And like she said, to fix her leg, they couldn't go any just to any doctor it would have revealed what was going on. Yeah. So they had to find a doc, an Illyrian doctor somewhere on the slide that, you know, came in and helped. So it's yeah. a, a lot to go through. It's a lot to live through. It's a lot of pressure on the parents. And, and where have we seen that before with um, uh, abortions and things and having to go to doctors on the sly way back in the olden yep. days? And, and I won't get deep into it just now. Gray knows himself certain states in America have revoked that, that kind of right as well in a modern society. So it's kind of nuts. Yeah. This episode relates very much to yeah. what's happened in the past and what's happening at the moment, you know? Definitely correlates to stuff going on. Yeah, it's, it's know, deep, today. man. It's deep. And, but we don't. We never want to turn this into a political thing because while I can do that, we'd be here for hours and it's not really the right. nah, not what we're format we're, for it. We're not do. aiming at that. Um, so, yeah, she's very emotional to this. It's a very amazing acting uh, from the actress, she done a brilliant job here. Uh, stellar cast, stellar writing, basically in general. Uh, mm -hmm. We find out the truth, Gray. I didn't see this coming, mate. No, nope. she gets asked. Well, first of all, she gets asked a couple of things. She does get um, does get asked uh, how you know. Actually, no, I won't. I won't jump the gun this bit because it ruins it. But she does um, get asked. Basically, who 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 uh, informed Starfleet uh, of your augmentation? And she didn't say anything initially. Then she actually said herself, and I was like, "Whoa, hold the yeah, hold, hold the phone! What?" <laughs> I wasn't expecting that at all. She says, "Wait a minute, why would she turn in herself?" Yeah, I, I don't you know. That. And then and then as we see, she said, "Because I've been living this many years, living the lie, and I just couldn't take it anymore." I. I I had to do. I had to do it. It was just you know whatever happens happens. It was too much, wasn't it? Yep. Living it for that length of time, I thought it must have been the comments and stuff, or accusations or stuff. You know, because you don't just out of the blue do something like that. Something has to start triggering that, or over a period of time. That's what's happened here with her. She felt better for admit, and that was key. Great, we find out this was key. Yeah. Her ratting herself out. Um, I mentioned here the thing about girl the. You know, Starship come mm -hmm. in and all these people working together, and that just that got our fascination for the stars um, together. And Gray mentioned is here as well that it was an emotional scene, uh, one of several that was actually done really, really well because her people were persecuted essentially and suffering, and they were, no doubt about it. Um, yep. And Una's able to tell Nira what happened and why she. Or why why she left her because they were close friends. You could tell at the start there was some kind of beef between <clears> them, Gray, weren't you? We don't find out why until the end. Yeah. She's basically left one of her good friends alone. She chose to bug her well, off. Una, didn't you? Earlier, Una wanted to explain to her what had happened, and I thought we were going to learn something, and then she just 
her friend just said, nah, I don't want I don't want to know about it. And then the, because Una was put on the stand, which was unusual, she gets put on the stand and basically that gave her the outlet during the story she was telling to be able to tell uh you know Nira why she left her as a friend and then Nira yeah. picked up on that and then like okay now I now I understand yeah but counsel her counsel Nira's really got some you could tell she's cooking up a plan or oh yeah seems she's cooking up a plan so she was going somewhere with all this you know which was good because putting her on the, Una on the stand was a dangerous thing to do but they did it she did it for a reason and you know and 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 we see as the episode goes along it it does work out for the best, obviously. Then it does go somewhere, but there is a small, medium-sized spanner, or wrenches you call them the stakes, I guess, thrown into the works, which was when Admiral Arsehole, I mean, sorry, Admiral Javis, uh, the Vulcan, <laughs> gets up and goes to ask. He actually, he he takes a lead and goes up and asks in a question, and he's you know he's. Saying that we're playing off emotion here too much, of course, say that as a Vulcan, but we prefer to stick to logic here and facts. And he asks how long um, Captain Pike knew that right. she was uh, an augment. And, yeah. uh, how long? And he has to ask the question several times. He is very re- uh, reluctant to actually say straight away because she doesn't want to rat out her. Friend, uh, and I think she's got a thing for him as well, but that's a whole different. Anyway, um, we'll see. I hope so. Um, and she doesn't want to rat out her friend, so she, she has to be truthful because she 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 basically ratted herself out, so she got to keep up the trend of being truthful. And she does, she, she was like, it's been four months, and now it's like, da da da, everyone's watching on the view screen or. Uh, the captain's quarter view screen back in Enterprise. Pike, right. you can start to see him. Squeaky bum time. This is now potentially treason, Ray. Uh, that they both could be thrown away in the slammer and treason. Treason? Treason? Treason would, would, would get you probably a lot longer behind bars. Um, right. Probably a lot longer our, our life. So I, I, I mentioned here that this guy's a real piece of work, but you're obviously saying he, he's not wrong in his logic, but are you giving him a break from, for being an arsehole? No, what it, but you have to have the opposing viewpoint, right? His job is to sit there and look at other things that are going on. And in, in, a, in a normal situation, and this is not quite normal, he actually would be right, because if he knew about it that, that far in advance, that's con- that could be conspiracy. And now yeah. you're in deep, deep trouble. And it, and it looked like it was actually going that route, you know, and, until, uh, you know, Nira came up with some other uh, stuff as we get into it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, the reason I know he's just doing his job, but the reason I'm calling him an arsehole is because it wasn't just that one off event. It was the thing between him and Spock before where Spock's obviously sure. not liking him and saying as much. So there's more evidence. We're talking about an evidence based game here, Gray, the episode mm-hmm. that he has said arsehole. But yeah, so she's truthful. We're like, oh, here we go. Uh, however, the counselor is best at her job for a reason, and she pulls mm-hmm. a master stroke here, a rabbit out the old proverbial hat. Um, <laughs> she gets um, Captain Patel, Ike's bit on the side, as we like to call her, um, to quote some regulations. She takes over the big Federation rule book, and it's a big one, no surprises, takes it over, 
and asks the captain to read out certain parts of it. And I'd be like, why? But she's like, okay, right, I'll do that. Opens the book. I wonder what else was written in there, Grey. Probably Picard season one and two were shit all the way through it until those last pages. Um, <laughs> so she reads them out. Uh, and basically, to cut that part short, what she said was, Una can basically claim asylum. Reason being, everything she's done, she's been persecuted. She's left. She left the planet. She's asked to join the. Uh, she's asked to join Starfleet, right? Um, her world has been looked after since they've been on the up and they're trying to improve themselves. Uh, she was honest about her situation. She went to the captain. The captain is allowed to grant asylum under these circumstances, and he did. So that lets him off. Uh, that lets him off scot free, and it also lets her off scot free because then it then goes to. The tribunal who are making up their minds and, and what's going on here and i great great first of all you mentioned here brilliant writing because this was genius it literally how could you say no to that when you're going against your own rules if you say no to this right and i think the count that you know her counsel was very near was very good at what she did when she approached the tribunal she was saying like look everything that i've that was read out to you is perfect for what a person that is asking yep. for asylum yep. and i said and essentially everything is 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 has been done that way so how could you not sit there and say that she doesn't deserve asylum after knowing everything yep yeah and, and i think that that worked to their favor and then of course like you know the tribunal could have said something different but yeah but pretty much they were stuck in a hard place and they really kind of had to step, step, step down a bit yeah right. this is where the bet came from earlier on when i was talking about these are your rules, yes, but they shouldn't be stuck to exactly to the letter. Otherwise, it's, you're going nowhere as a as a organization, as a society. Sure. Um, you've got to be able to adapt and move on from these things. Otherwise, slavery would still be a thing. Apartheid would still be a thing. All these things, you know. So, right. basically, after this cracking speech, Star Starfleet find her and Pike not guilty and grant her asylum. Perfect, right? That's a good way to do it. However, they haven't, for the most part, changed their mind in augmentation um, for a good reason. What's happened in the past, they don't want that to happen again. Uh, it could change in the future. They'll look at that in the future, so at least they've been forward-thinking in that. And we know it does. We know it does as of season one or two of Picard. So it's, it's a mixed bag here, Gray, because we said, what's the point of having rules in our organization, big rules, important rules, if they can just be broken willy-nilly? And this is the odd exception that will allow things like this to go through without changing their fundamental policies, whether you or I agree with them or not. Um, and we obviously find out that these policies need to uh, advance and mature as they go through the decades and the centuries, and they do. So Starfleet have not changed their minds on it. But they're mm -hmm. letting her off Scott three. What was your thoughts on that? You think that was the the outcome we were the probable outcome we were going to get? I mean, they break canon yeah, otherwise, yeah. wouldn't they? So I wasn't expecting the the how she handled the whole thing with the uh, uh the asylum. So that's how beautiful it was because I was sitting there trying to figure out how's she getting around this one. What is she going to bring up that's going to prevent this? And and quoting those regulations was perfect. Even yeah. later on, Una Una said to to Nira, she says, "You had that whole thing planned. You knew what I was going to do when I was uh -huh. there." Pretty much, she's gone like, <laughs> you know. 
and it's kind of sweet. Those two are friends, so they're actually starting to hold each other's hands, like kind of yeah. friendly kind of thing to do. Uh, they kind of made up there uh, and understand because it yep. was an apology from from Una to the councillor um, throughout this trial as well. Uh, so sure. it's actually been more than just a trial; it's covered the friendship as well. Um, and Azuna comes back on board Enterprise, um, the Enterprise with the councillor. The Enterprise crew literally give them both a big round of applause, which I'd never quite seen in Star Trek before, actually. It was kind of nice and refreshing and not yeah, very Star Trek-y. It was nice, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you put here, Gray, that it was a great emotional scene because it shows how much the bridge crew love their, their commander and their friend. Right. And how does she acknowledge it? How does she acknowledge this? It, it was funny because she acknowledged all that and she thought it was beautiful. And then she says, "She says, who's flying the ship?" She says, "Get back to work." <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they all just they all just go. Oh. <laughs> it was a nice way to end it. And then Pike, I thought it was going to be these usual kind of horrible cheeky chappy self, but he pauses for a moment. Then he goes up and he just gives Una this big awkward emotional hug, and she's just like, "Oh, okay, I didn't see that coming. That's nice." And then he kind of steps back. Kind of, eh, nothing happened here, yeah. Um, very Vulcan-like of I liked that little bit at the end because they're clearly good friends as well as colleagues, and maybe sure. more in the future. Who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm going for that one. And I mentioned here at the very end, Gray, good episode, nice, had to be done. Now let's get back to actual some Star Trekking for once. <laughs> now this is out of the way, yeah. So, um, Gray, give your rating for the episode and why. Um, I go nine out of ten, and. The reason I did that was because you don't get uh, too many episodes like this where where you really got to put your thinking cap on and listen to what's going on. I mean, it's a court drama, so the whole the whole thing was really mostly a court drama. Yeah. Now, some people don't like that stuff and they're tuning out, but but if you really listen to the writing and how it goes, I thought it was brilliant and it was nice to see something that was just totally different. And it's not without precedent. They did it in a. Menagerie Part One and Two in the original series, and they also did it in a, another yeah, episode. That's when they were called the original from, series Court Court the Martial. Bad, the badges and stuff, and the suit and the uniforms mm-hmm. were very similar. Did you notice that? Yeah, and and a really good episode where Kirk was uh, up on, up against Court Martial, and Spock was defending him, and another guy, another person. So that was another court scene thing. Yeah, I think they probably they also had one or two in Next Generation too. I just don't remember. Off oh, the top several of, my head. of them with bloody Q. Yeah. In the ring so that was, I thought that was all, it was just really well done. Now, of course, if they were to do that every week, you'd, you'd get bored. But I mean, the point is, is that that's, you mix it up. But it was good. It was tension. It was showed, it showed the family, you know, hook, hooking up and together and supporting each other. So yeah, good all the way around. I gave it your rating an eight out of 10, just slightly less. Not to say it was bad. It was a good episode. It was required. It was very well written. I'm never going to tune out because it's Star Trek. Um, I'll just slate it afterwards, to be honest. But not the same level of score as great, just because while it's required, there was nothing wrong with it per se. That's not usually my style of episode. Um, but again, I'll go back to what I said before. It's required. It had to be done. We had to exonerate Una had to get her out mm-hmm. of the potential slammer. So that's the only reason it's a slight downgrade. And only one shot of the Enterprise, one or two three shots of the Enterprise, sat there doing nothing. Uh, and it's kind of not done a hell of a lot, actually, since the start of the season. Been sitting there well, smoking t- a big Federation-sized cigar. But I'll tell you another reason why that episode, besides the fact that it was a really good episode, it, yeah. it also accomplished one other thing that you don't we don't always talk about. 
It was a very cheap episode to do. <laughs> and yeah, there was almost no there was almost no CGI, no no action, and other things that had to be worried yep. about sets that had to be destroyed, things like that. So I was like, we can make Aren't a really good episode, unexpe- inexpensive, so we can spend more money on the other ones. And they have to do that. They can't spend that level of sure. money on heavy CGI episodes every episode because there's just not enough mm-hmm. money for it. So they have to pick and choose when to have quieter ones. And this is the perfect time to do it, unlike yeah. that episode, the first season, where they were all in like some medieval kingdom in their minds and all fighting each other. That wasn't relatively expensive to film, but it ended up being great because it was written really well. So if you're going to do that, write right. it well. That's all I ask. Um Yep. So it's great, it's done. Let's get back to actually some old new adventures. Uh, before we quickly go on to your uh, little cool trivia callback, Gray, which is a good shout, by the way, um, quick call to arms, of course. Um, we are available across the networks here at Trekway on um, YouTube and any podcast platform you listen to as well. This is very much a talking heads type thing, so you could listen to us on, on the podcast as well. Uh, and we're available on um, Twitter at the Trekway as well. Ray's got his own podcast as well, of course. We're taking a bit of a hiatus because summer and it's a bit quiet in the entertainment world, but we will be back within a week and, or And two. the writer's strike. Uh, the writer's strike. And in a few days, what the actor's strike. <laughs> yeah, so Gray's exactly. Green Room is, is his one here, and it's, it's the same. He's across all the platforms as well, and on the Twitters. Um, and last but not least, not forgetting our friend and colleague, Nick, who we do a gaming podcast with. We're equally as passionate about that as we are our other um, podcasts. And that's uh, at Extreme PC UK on the YouTubes, on the Twitters. Uh, we'll do an episode tonight. So if you like gaming, you can come along to that by all means. But Greg, could you um, give us a cool little cool trivia callback? Because I read this earlier yeah, on was and I was a, happy with that. I was kind of look, doing a little bit of research here and there. And I like when I'm able to find you know these callbacks to other... Uh, series that came before yep. and this little callback was interesting because una mentions as the the uh name of the episode ad astra per aspera and it was the motto of starfleet before the founding of the federation uh the insignia for starfleet command on both arm patches and flags on star trek enterprise 2001 mm-hmm. star trek enterprise series consisted of a yellow arrowhead on a blue round star background which was framed by a thick gray inner border and a thin red outer border. Inside the gray border, there were more white stars and the Latin words, ad astra per aspera. Yes. So direct callback to an old series, uh, purposely done, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And nice, nice little little tie-in. That is perfect, Gray. It sums everything up perfectly. I knew I'd seen it somewhere before. Um, and that actually slightly added to that because I did watch all of Enterprise was the, it, they were called the Makos. Just think of them as Royal Marine, uh, Royal Marine Commandos or Navy SEALs or something like that, right? They were literally there. They weren't supposed to be Starfleet. They were extra added level of security. They were closest thing to militaries you had back then. And they came with the Enterprise when things started getting a lot rougher. I think that was the Zindi arc when they went to and I bust their asses. They brought a bunch of them along. They 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 don't mess. They are hard hitting. They will they'll take you down. And I remember Patchy's been on their arms a lot as well. There you go. That's where that's coming from. So that's a great callback, yep. actually. Um, but yeah, the good thing about this series is they don't take breaks in this one. Unlike some of our other <laughs> shows that we love, like Superman and Lois and whatnot, who just take hiatus for weeks on end. 
this will yep. be back every single week until it finishes um and then we'll be back for episode three next week so cheers for tuning in until then come back next week and as always um put comments below what you like and dislike like it or dislike the podcast and thanks for doing your thing great until then though guys peeps uh trekkers out there uh all the best see you later and do your thing great live long and prosper everybody bye-bye see you next time